I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. No such thing as a media ban. We don't have a media ban. Yeah, you do. No, we don't. A donkey eat and a donkey eat a palace. He was massive. <laughs> Legs, ass. So Damien, I put a tweet out that you were on the show today, that you're back after not being on the show for a good while and I was looking for a couple of questions and uh, on hurling or on farming. And I got one on a direct mail and you can confirm or deny this, that in 2012, the, it was the day before the All-Ireland Hurling Final against Kilkenny, a sheep got out loose on the farm and you refuse to run after it in case you get injured for the final the next day. I, I can't confirm that. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, if, if, and uh, as you well know, if, if one sheep got out, um, 20 sheep would get out. So um, no, Colin, I honestly cannot confirm that story. Uh, All right, okay. I Is can, it... I can confirm many stories regarding the farm. And as we do say, and it could go wrong that will go wrong, has gone wrong. But no, I can't remember that story. I'm sorry. Probably All right, okay. Probably the day before the All-Ireland final in 2012, I was probably in the garage uh, working, selling cars. So um, I can't confirm it, sorry. Would you Would you be of the of the kind of mindset that you need to stay busy up until a match rather than, you know, overthinking it? Oh, absolutely. I would I, my, my, I would do the whole thing. Whatever you've been doing, whatever you've been doing all year, why would you change it? You know, and... Uh, like I always say, an, uh, an idle mind is a dangerous mind and you can overthink things. So, yeah, I often, uh, like, for example, before matches or whatever, I'd often be out farming or could be throwing out fertilizer or moving cattle or sheep or whatever. Or, as I said, working in the garage, selling cars or showing cars. So I, I would never change my routine. I just sometimes uh, lads would change their routine into it. It's all we're playing all Ireland final or we're playing a, an all Ireland quarter final or whatever next to wouldn't work. And they'd be down, they'd be relaxing, they'd have their legs up. It just so, yeah. sometimes uh, to to have the mind idle is a dangerous thing. So uh, my my, I always just stuck with the exact same routine. So if I was working, I was working, and that was it. Do you know what I found coming up to a big match? Um, if you had a niggly injury, sometimes I used to look back on it and think that really helped me because I spent a whole week mm. thinking about the injury and I wasn't overthinking the match at all. Has that, that ever happened to you? Absolutely. I would agree with you there. You, you, you'll be thinking about the injury and hoping that you'll get through the game and you might have a little twinge in the hamstring or a sore shoulder or even a sore finger. Or, if at, you know, one of the, another awful dirty injury that you can get in hurling um, column is that you could be training and you could go up for a high ball or you know a low ball in your risers and you're you're marking a lad and he he flick 
he'd flick and crack your nail or split your nail. Right. And the, and the throbbing of your nail for the, a couple of days even before a match. And, like, it wouldn't be intentional, obviously. But uh, as you said there, uh, you'd be thinking about the injury or the belt you got. And it can often it can often help, absolutely. Or you're going to the physio, you know, twice a day trying to get ready for this match. And it can, it can, it can definitely help. I think it ha- uh, 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 Colin Finley had happened to one time uh, before an All-Ireland final. And uh, he was going to a crier chamber as everything. And he actually said it really helped him took his whole mind off the game so yeah it would yeah it definitely does another message I got it must be from a neighbour of yours he says great news Damien um, is back he lives about a mile up the road from me he's flying fit these days he's out running a lot so you're out running the roads are you? yeah I do I, myself and my wife Claire would um, what's it called we would we do a bit of running now Colin I don't want to blow this out of proportion as I always <laughs> say right so um, we have a little route we have a little route around our little area Kirk's so it's uh, it's just over five kilometers. So we would do it most Sundays. Uh, Mammy, Mammy come down. And the lads love when Mammy comes down to, because uh, uh, they get to go into the treat drawer and uh, they, they when we get back they'd be as high as kites and sugar, uh, where they'd be getting biscuits and chocolate and the whole lot. But yeah, I, I do a bit of training and I'm back with Boris again. So I'm, I'm I'm giving him a hand. That only started back last week and uh, what's it called? So I, I and then I go on the farm. So uh, I won't get I, I won't put on. Any major weight, and I, I, I won't become a fat slob, and as I can assure you that. <laughs> what are you doing the five k in? Oh, I wouldn't be doing a great time at the minute. No, uh, I think my best at the moment, right? And I'm only after starting being honest with Congress. I think my best was uh, something like uh, twenty three minutes, so, right. something like that. I'm not, as I said to you, it's, I'm not, uh, I'm not doing it competitively now, right? But why, why are you doing it? You- I I'm I over the first lockdown when there were the, <clears throat> I was doing a few of them I was down I got it down to about twenty one minutes there so you'd want yeah. to be pulling up your socks there exactly, with that twenty three yeah, yeah exactly I, I think it was twenty three the other day that that was after having my breakfast as well <laughs> so, probably probably didn't help but uh, actually look at it it's, it's grand it's and what's called that uh, it's a nice it's a nice little route there's a few little hills uh, in the we call it the block in Gortrumer so yeah I am doing a little bit of running but. I don't want to blow it out of proportion, uh, Colin. Okay. This Wexford Clare uh, row <clears throat> keeps uh, going on all week, uh, Damien. So we know what happened here is the Wexford players tested positive. The Clare players were uh, defined as close contacts. Uh, Clare blamed Wexford for nominating them as close contacts. Wexford denied it. Uh, Fergal McGill has come out uh, during the week and said only a public health specialist can make the determination of who is a close contact. In this case, the decision would be with the local health authority, HSE Midwest. They would be ones to designate close contacts. It had nothing to do with Wexford. So he's putting Wexford in the clear. But here's the thing. Obviously, the contact tracers went to the Wexford players. The contact tracers must have asked the Wexford players, who were you marking? So the HSE made this determination. It looks to me incorrectly, but... Like, I, I can't accept that Wexford said the Wexford players never told the HSE or how would they have just pulled these two players' names uh, out of their hat? Do you know what I mean? So yeah, I, 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 I agree with you, uh, Colm. Um, and I, I know I know this, I, 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 I know because a friend of mine, right, uh, got COVID, okay? And uh, that's exactly what happened. He was asked to not please write down a name, his close contacts, right? Because obviously then people had to get tested. Uh, you know, uh, this is a couple of months ago. Uh, so he did. So um, you're a hundred percent right. Uh, they had to be given names, or like, uh, why? Why not? For example, not, why not test uh, Brian Lowen, for example, instead of uh, the two players that 
uh, were named. So um, I agree with you 100%. That's just being straight up. Um, there's obviously someone from the Wexford camp uh, named, or you know, or the two lads or whatever they were marking, named these players. So um, yeah. So that, you're, I couldn't agree more with you, but like I would have just been at the the um, the illusion that like that the doctors in the would we'll say, for example, the hurling camp, the Clare camp would have said that. Uh, these lads do not have COVID or they've been tested and they don't have COVID because like a doctor is a doctor which is using a very, very uh, high place, you know, in uh, in work. And if one said he didn't have COVID, you take it. But I, I just thought it was bizarre, to be honest. Yeah. There, there, was a lot, there was a lot of clear people actually down here uh, extremely annoyed about because I was actually told about on the Saturday when we were selling cars here on the Saturday and there was a few who actually brought up the conversation. Yeah, well, that's the thing. I'm not blaming Wexford players. If they're asked the question, they give the answer. They're not the experts. The, the fault here seems to lie with the with the HSC because there's uh, there's potential close contact scenarios in the GEA's COVID-19 return to training and play guidelines. And the potential close contact scenarios are use of a gym or other indoor training facility, use of dressing rooms, including showers, pre- and post-match training meals, meetings for tactical analysis or game preparation, collectively travelling to and from games or training and an over an overnight accommodation. None of the above refer to who you were marking on the field of play. So there was a big yeah. mistake made here and the two victims obviously were the two Clare players who probably missed a full week off work and everything before they got the negative test. So it's a whole it's a whole mess. There's a general this isn't Clare's um fault Obviously, they're, they're the victims in this, but I don't know. Claire just seemed every story I hear coming out of Claire now seems to be some sort of controversy, Damien. Are you hearing that in the. No, every, in the... Uh, 100%. Everything. Like, we've all seen the WhatsApp messages going out uh, around uh, regarding uh, Six Mile Bridge Hurling Club. There's something about the county board. There'll be something about Davy. There'll be something about um, what you call it, the, the trackers that they wear on the, the back, on you know, on their back. I, just, I won't lie to you. It's. It's uh, one bad story after another. It's uh, it's hilarious. And there's there's war between county board and the clear management. Uh, there's there's yeah, you're 100 percent right. It's it's kind of nearly becoming uh, nearly like a soap. Um, yeah. There, there's always something. You're 100 percent right. And then for example, when they start playing bad, then there's another reason, or they don't get a, a win or whatever. But uh, yeah, the 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 chat down here in the especially in the hurling. Uh, world down here in the Clare is that it, like there's so many stories. Yeah, no, it definitely is. There's, it does seem like a soap opera. Come here, Kieran Kingston has come out um, this week in the <clears throat> in the Echo, the Evening Echo down in in Cork, and obviously there was big complaints about that Cork Tip League game that night. You know, and Cork were very tippy tappy, and the the puck out was being conceded, and they were going lateral, and even Mark Coleman was getting caught for overcarrying because he wouldn't just you yeah. know put the ball down fifty fifty. And he and Kieran Kingston has come out defending it. Now, obviously, he admitted, he said, yes, at times did we over-elaborate 100%. We went lateral too many times. But the alternative was to puck it down on top of seven defenders and six attackers. You know, like, I mean, he, he's, he has accepted that. And I think most people watching it would accept that. But then if Cork have no big men down there, why would they be kick, p- pucking it down if there's an extra man? Or what's the balance between this, Damien? So uh, my opinion on it is, uh, Colm, that... Kieran Kingston, John O'Grady's after joining their backroom team. And I just find that a lot of it is an awful lot of things that John O'Grady used to be seeing on the Sunday game. So it is so he was all into, you know, getting the ball and hitting it to another cork man and holding on to possession and uh, you know, break the challenge and give a hand pass five yards and give a stick pass five yards and, and hit hit hand pass the ball backwards five yards and 
you know, it was all about playing it through the lines and finding a man. And then we'd get an awful lot of scores. Like I watched that Cork, um, that Cork tip game that night, and I have to say, I, I it was nearly like a glorified uh, a challenge match. Like it, it was very, very hard to watch at times, you know. But that's just what to do, and it can be very frustrating for an inside forward. You know, you, you'd like to Patrick Horgan inside is, and one of the top forwards in the game waiting for ball to come in and he's been pulled and dragged and the ball has been kept slow outside. So, yeah, sometimes I do think that, yeah, work the ball out if you want, but there's nothing wrong with driving it long and fast into the full forward line once it's a 70-30 ball in favour of what we call your your, your forward attacking player. Yeah. But yeah, sometimes I think the core players can overdo it, but I think they're going to stick with this game plan. Uh, so they are this running pass and short game so it is but it can get very frustrating for a supporter when it breaks down and, and often it breaks down and uh, a lot of scores come off this uh these stupid errors. Yeah, so like, I mean, I suppose here's the thing that I'm thinking about with this, like Patrick Horgan, and you're right in saying, you know, he'd get, be getting frustrated, but maybe Patrick Horgan knows, right, the ha- like the half-back has it. I'm not going to run yet. I'm not going to run yet because our game plan is to get it up a bit further. So Patrick Horgan, instead of traditionally starting to make a run, you know, when it gets to the half-back line, now he's waiting to make a run until it gets to the half-forward line and he's getting a much tastier little ball you know, that he can run to it. Like, that's what I'm thinking. Like, will Patrick Horgan be frustrated? Because I can imagine if Patrick Horgan in the top players in the country, if he was pissed off with this, you know, he would have a big influence in how they would play. Well, absolutely. But once he knows that this is what's going to happen, maybe it's not so bad. But I'm just telling you, on that game where you have a a cornerback getting the ball and he's throwing out to the halfback and he gives a hand pass to the wingback and the wingback then turns... And he gives another hand pass to the midfielder. And the midfielder then gives the hand pass back to the centre-back. Yeah. And the centre-back then passes it to the midfielder. I'm telling you, Colin, it can get very, very frustrating. And, when, and I know this for a fact from playing in the inside line, that you're marking a cornerback or a fullback. And we'll give the example of JJ Delaney. Like, JJ has you tugged. You know, he's tugging your jersey from stopping you, getting out away from him for that 10, 15 yards. And it's all been slowed down. Where my opinion on it is maybe one or two passes, yeah. And I'm all into possession game and all this but it's, it has to be a, a good, crisp, fast ball in the inside. And, you're, and the inside man then, the Patrick Horgans of this world are out in front and trying to beat their man like this. But it, you can over-elaborate. And I, I don't care what anyone says. When you over-elaborate, it does break down. And when, when it breaks yeah. down, the dan- more the danger- likely you're, um, you, you lose the score. Yeah, the danger is that Hurling will go into a possession-based game like Gaelic football did there for a long time where it's very, very dull. Players don't want to take risks because there's the whole stats of how many balls you give away. And I suppose that's traditionally not what Hurling's about. Hurling's about getting it down there and winning your own ball. Yeah, you often hear the saying in the Hurling, there's no such thing as a bad ball. And you often hear the saying, get the ball into the full forward line and... And if they don't win it, they'll keep it inside in the full forward line for as long as they can to help out the team like this. But yeah, I, I have often said it. There's there's nothing wrong with a, a route one ball to the edge of the square uh, column because if you have a good full forward inside that can catch a ball, all right. Obviously, you might get a score, or win a free, or right. Or if he doesn't catch it, the ball can break out, and you can have two electrifying corner forwards that can run onto the ball onto the breaks. So yeah, so, sometimes. It can be uh, over-elaborated, this short passing. If it works, brilliant. If you have intelligent hurlers like maybe Noel, Noel McGrath and stuff like this that can distribute the ball brilliantly, great. But if not, 
yeah, I tell you, you can uh, you can cough up a lot of scores by just stupid errors. Yeah, and like I mean, no ball is a bad ball. Is that generally accepted in hurling? Do you think oh. that's accepted now? Maybe with a sweeper back there, like I'm um, say, if you were a corner forward, you wouldn't be the tallest fella. Like, would you would you live by that? No ball is a bad ball, even if it was a you know. I wouldn't. I wouldn't have. I'd never agreed with that. This saying that uh, there's no such thing as a bad ball. Of course, there's such thing as a bad ball. Colin, the, the best way for me to describe this. If you're playing midfield, right, or in the halfback line, you get a ball, right, and I'm marking a cornerback. So the cornerback is always going to be, uh, on, I would say, a very good cornerback. He's going to be goal side. So he's going to be on your inside yeah. shoulder, right? So when you're getting the ball, my opinion is if someone was hitting the ball into my corner, like this, I would prefer the ball to be hit in 70-30, my side, so that I'm able to shield him off me and run out into space and get the ball. But the amount of times balls are hit into a corner forward and it's hit the defender side, right? So obviously it's a lot harder to to gain. And often you you get the world of bad ball hitting the next you know, that corner forward is useless. Take him off. You know, and he might only do, deal with two or three balls or four balls in a half. So I, I don't agree with that. You're, even when I'm be coaching, I'm always saying when you're hitting in the ball, try hit it in 70 30 or hit it into into uh your own man. So yeah, I, I one one in three balls is, is fine that hit it aimlessly, but yeah. I, you'll be trying to hit it in properly. Like it's even the same same thing in football, Colin. Big difference between you getting the ball, hit your side of your man, and you run out to it and catch it on the bounce, as in having to go in and take it off your side of your side of your man. Yeah, it's like, desperate because it looks like he's beaten you a race out to it when he hasn't really. Yeah. He's just been given yeah. it's been hit his side. Um yeah, yeah. And, 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 the, and to me to me it's a desperate ball. Yeah. I'm sorry, I just it's it's an absolutely crap ball, but Obviously, the manager, especially at club level, will come in and start roaring at Colin Parkson and Jamie and Hayes. Get out in front, your man, will yeah. you? Like this, you know, but it's a, it's a shocking ball, he's in. Yeah, yeah, no, that's it. And the supporters don't understand it either. Come here, there was a lot less freeze last weekend. Um, the stats were down. The first couple of weekends, referees were blowing for a lot. There was 49 freeze in the Waterford um, Westmead game. There was upwards of 40 um, in, in some of the other games. They were a good bit down last weekend. I think maybe referees have, you know, reined this back or rolled back a little bit on all these soft uh, freeze they were blowing. Colm, uh, my opinion on the referee is they have to use their own initiative and have to use their own cop on. I know there might be new rules um, coming in and, and all that sort of stuff, but like I, I think the, the supporters in particular and even some of the players would just prefer if it was kind of left as, as it was, like this, everything really means. But just my, that's my advice to some of the referees is just to use their own cop on. Yeah, no, they definitely seem to be doing that. Come here, um, Irla Daly is after getting a one-match ban because of the row at the end of the of the Waterford-Limerick game. Like, I mean, that kind of kicked off. He was throwing knees in um, to Kyle Hayes, which was very unusual. He's a one-match ban um, proposed anyways. Like, I mean, we were talking on Monday with Paul Murphy about Limerick's indiscipline, Damien. Like, I mean, Seamus Flanagan was sent off. Dermot Burns sent off against against Galloway uh, Kyle Hayes sent off against Waterford John Kiley made comments about Galloway and then apologised for them you know it, it uh, kind of unusual um, from a Limerick point of view it is unusual and and uh, it's something that I, spe- I suppose with John Kiley just to on the comments it's something that you wouldn't uh, expect from him like this but he must have been extremely frustrated so it was, but yeah he has, a, he has a little bit of work to do with uh, the Limerick players uh, regarding discipline um, like uh, all of them got sent off uh, all of them are going to be missing a couple of games. It's, it's something to deal with. And they could all do with it, getting as much game time as possible because the championship is only around the corner. So, um, yeah, look at the, the, the players themselves as well will be frustrated 
So they will, but uh, it is an issue that um, John Kiley has within his setup at the moment is discipline, and he needs to sort it out. We, we, I was, I was asking Paul Murphy about you know in and around the time when they were winning All Ireland's fourteen fifteen, you know in two thousand and sixteen, then there's a huge target on their backs, and he, like I mean, I presume when you were trying to take on that great Kilkenny team, a big part of your game plan was getting in their faces and disrupting them. I suppose, like what teams are doing yeah. to Limerick now. Yeah, well, you know, you, you do absolutely anything. Like in the man, your management would have you motivated going out. Like the, uh, even at the moment, it's only league games, but lads would be told like they're fighting for places. And you can see it even in the Limerick squad that they're they're trying out new players. It's like they're looking for tr- two or three extra players, you know, to, to really strengthen their squad. Like so, like uh, lad and the likes of, for example, just the Waterford um, Limerick game. That game was in Waterford. Liam Cahill would have had the lads well driven. You know, that, that was their home patch that they weren't going to give an inch. You know, lads have been getting stuck into each other like this. So you'll do anything. Sometimes you'll do anything within the means of the rules of the game to, to get stuck into that. But la, la, like Limerick now are All-Ireland champions two years out of three. Yeah. So lads will be getting stuck into their faces and, and you know, trying to rise them a bit. And if they think the lad can be rose a bit and they now have identified some lads that might have short tempers, yeah, you will see management teams, uh, you know, sewing into them and saying, if you get this lad, he could throw a wild swipe down to 14 men it's it's harder to it's harder to um to compete with 14 men against 15 good hunters so yeah it could be identified as a game plan in some games but you see that's the thing because when they won the All-Ireland 2018 like I mean the whole country were delighted for them and Jesus isn't that great after all their heartbreak and everything and I suppose now they've won you know, two monsters. They've won two two leagues. They've won, they've backed up their All Ireland two years later, and now there's talk of a Limerick dominance. So that kind of goodwill towards Limerick, I presume, Absolutely. like you know, yeah. is kind of drying up on the field big time. Now, now you said it. That's exactly it. And that, like, then the Munster Championship is such a hard championship to win. The, the other Munster counties uh, will get sick of them as well, and maybe sick of them uh, pride now of what they've won and everyone. All the media talking about their dominance and the players they've coming through and all the great players they have and. The, the horrors of the years and, and all that yeah but uh, that, that limelight will come off uh, come off them soon enough and what happens is well some other players in other counties will get sick of it and that's when it comes to a, a match uh, you know uh, they might be as nice and they lower the blade and they'll, they'll hurry and get stuck into a ledge uh, as much and uh, they realise there's a place up here for grabs and like there's also an All-Ireland up for grabs so lads will start getting stuck into your so this uh, nice easy uh, happiness towards Limerick will uh, definitely be gone at this stage um, before we get into talk about Kilkenny and Wexford, the last one was, oh yeah, Paul Murphy was talking about Cahill Mannion's hurl and he said it was like a, a wooden spoon. He uses a very, very short hurl and I was talking to Paddy Staple and Conal, or Conal Keeney about it and we're, they were talking about hurls and they used to use a 36-inch hurl and traditionally 36, 37, were the, were a longer hurl was the hurl of choice and I had um, tr- uh, 65 hurls, their hurly makers um, told me on Twitter they said that they rarely sell 36 inch hurls anymore most lads are using 31 to 34 inch now particularly the younger lads he says the days of measuring to the hip are all gone he said it's all short hurls and long grips are the fashion now Damien yeah that that, that would be 100% right I've said that to you in the show that uh, yeah years ago it used to be, be all 35, 36, 37 inch hurls but now it's all gone short passing uh, column so there's no need for a long a long hurl, yeah, I know as a few of the cork hurlers, a lot of them use short hurls. Like there was one year, uh, Colm, uh, and especially in the inside line, if you're playing the inside line, a short hurl is lovely. I remember we won a county championship. Um, uh, one year uh, we played uh, Loch Grey in a county final and uh, I scored 2-6 from play. 
like this. And I, I always remember uh, I used the 31 inch hurl. So I did inside in the full forward line. So I did, and like it's literally impossible uh, to get hooch. Right. You know, and also it's it, your, your accuracy is a lot better. Now, the only disadvantage is, Colin, when you use a short hurl, is that, do you know, when someone is running away from you and you try to say, gain a hook? Yeah. Yeah, obviously you're after losing your, your three inches, for example, right? But uh, regarding it with a small hurl, your accuracy, your touch, uh, your close control, uh, all that stuff is way, way better. And I noticed it myself. So I did. I don't think for my latter years, uh, I never went past a, a 33 inch hurl. So I didn't. And it's just, it's way nicer to strike with. Yeah. Against Lockery in a county final, a longer hurl might do you better for the fight, though. Which oh well I, I was never any good at I was I was never any good at that stuff. I used to stay out, I used to stay out with that stuff. I'd stay I stay in the corner. That that'd be the one time I would stay in the corner. And what would happen if your man went running into it? Would you would you I'd lay him off. Yeah. I, I, no, I, Colin, I can say this honestly. I when I went out hurling, uh, you know, I if a row started and my car back off I remember we played a challenge match against the team one time and a, a row started and my car back ran up towards the row. The next thing, he, he just turned back his head and he seemed that I didn't move to it. And he looked at me as in say, you're not going to get into it. And I just said, turn to him and I go, work away. If you want to get into it, work away. Because my, my opinion on it was, Colin, there's, it's all grand until someone gets seriously hurt and breaks a jaw and we've all work to go to. And uh, I, I, I just, I, I'd be no good in a row in us. So. <laughs> I wouldn't be great myself. And I, yeah. I never went into them because I know, that, like, I mean, I could get absolutely killed in them. They'd probably all go for me. I was like you, I'd stand yeah. out, I'd stand out of it um, and just yeah. hope my... I know, but it's, it's, it's all grand, Colin. I, I, I've said it before, it's, it's all grand until something serious happens. And, yeah. Uh, what do you call it? And as I said to you, plus I'd be afraid of my life inside <laughs> one, one, of, one of them rows. You know, I'd get stuck into a, a hurling match there and tackling Hassel and Hoop, but uh, I, I just, um, I witnessed, I witnessed one of our players one time uh, getting a belt in, because uh, I obviously wasn't standing, um, I wasn't in the row, so I was, and I seen one of our lads getting a belt of a hurl, so I did uh, from behind one day across his helmet, and I always say, thankfully, he had a helmet on. Yeah, Do you know, as dangerous, no doubt. Yeah, as dangerous, there's no enjoyment in any of that, so I'd be completely anti uh, all that stuff. Be, be a man on the, on the ball and on the field, but uh, that stuff I I I've no time for that stuff. Yeah, I know. I agree. Um, come here, just before, like I said, before we get into it, quickly on the long grips, are they a fashion thing? Is there any reason why they're putting the grip? The whole, ha- like you know, the the, the, long, the long grip. I did the long grip as well. Being honest, it's just all. Um, it's it's just for basically. Um, for grip is is the long and short is so the longer the grip. So lads, once again, especially with the shorter hurl, you just you might double up your grip. And uh, I, I, I have done it, so I did. And basically, it's just when you're sewing with the ball as well, Colin, that you have grip on your hurl like this. It's basically what lads get get used to. And it's so funny, Colin, like uh, we have three kids at home, so they have, but Aina is our oldest lad, and he's uh, he's gone mad into hurling. He's seven, right? And it's, it's unbelievable what to see. Like Patrick Horgan, just to give you an example, he usually, he usually has a long white grip. And Ian has now asked me, like, why does Patrick Horgan wear a white, uh, white grip? And like, we, went, we got him a hurl the other day because he broke his own one. And he wanted a white grip because Patrick Horgan uh, has a white grip. You know, and it's amazing what young lads will see on the hurling pitch, the lads that idle. But it's just for extra grip. Um, it's just for extra grip, uh, Colin. Uh, there's no other reason for it. And it's what lads get used to. 
Right. Okay. I'm. I'm. I'm starting to think now that I asked the same questions as a seven-year-old, uh, as, as a seven-year-old child. Come here. Just one thing. Now that you mentioned that, I was sent a picture of Seamus Flanagan's grip. I don't know if you've ever mentioned it or you've ever seen it, but this grip barely is long enough to fit his two hands when he's striking the ball. Like it's very unusual. He's gone the complete opposite of it and has had has barely any almost enough grip for one hand. Yeah, well, I've I've seen that in the olden days. Right. Right. Uh, uh, but I, I I don't know the I I personally wouldn't do it that way. Else. Uh, I was I would there's there's different size grips you can get. You can get an extra long one, or some lads will just get two grips and they would just join them up, you know. But whatever. But I I know what you mean about the short the short one. But uh, it wouldn't be a, I wouldn't be a fan of it. Right. Just being being straight up with it, I wouldn't be a, a I'd, I'd I'd like a, a long grip. I used to stretch. Some people used to overlap the grip a little bit. To make it softer, or I I used to personally uh, uh, stretch it. Then other people, when they be putting on the grip, if you notice it, they put the skinny end of the grip on top of the handle, and they bring it down so they wouldn't have to use black tape on the top of the. Do you know where you hold the handle of the hurricane? Yeah, yeah. So that your hand wouldn't slip. Right, and it is the black it, ins- it, black insulating tape. Yeah, no. To 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 finish it off, and is putting on a grip something that you need to like? Any hurler would be good at putting on a grip, or would you make a balls of it and have to buy another one? No, no, no. It's it's very easy to put on a grip. Just as I said, yeah, uh, what to call it? You just you you get your grip and you open it up and you just put it on. You wouldn't make a. Uh, hames of it's not possible. Okay, all right. Well, that would... I, well, I, I don't think it's possible to make, <laughs> I, make a hames of it. I remember, um, I remember putting one on a tennis racket before making the balls of it, but I was very young. So listen, we'll move on from that. I'm talking nonsense now. The only match this weekend um, is Kilkenny Wexford. Um, that's the, this is a rescheduled game, and I was saying, like, I mean, this probably rescheduled and will miss, mess up their plan a little bit, Damien, because this league was perfectly scheduled to have three games. You know, then a week off. Um, where you might get a bit of hard training done the first week and then ease off the next week and then be ready for the last two games before the championship. It's been messed up a little bit for Kilkenny Wexford now because they missed one... The, the, the game was only called off the day before, so they would have been, you know, limbering up the week before this game and missed out on the yeah. hard week's training potentially that they would have done after it. Are you following me? I do. I understand exactly what you mean. And that's what you do. Like, the, like you might do a hard training session, but you, yeah... Yeah, like you will, you will. We only you have at this time because of the way the league is, Colm, right? And I know you're meant to be doing it, running and getting fitness and all that, right? But like they need to get hurling fit now, and they need to get stick. They need to get stick sharp, right? So a lot of the drills they're going to be doing now is all you know fitness w- incorporated with the ball and hurling, right? So the answer to the question is it would have. Whereas you said this week when the this week could have been uh, keyed in for doing a bit of heavy running to basically open up the lungs and to basically get a bit of fitness back into them, right? And it, it's it's very annoying too for that game that was called off the day before. You know, lads are geared up and lads are trying to make an impact and lads are maybe trying to make an impact going to the team whatever. So, yeah, it would have affected preparation in both camps. Where do you stand on the whole pressure on Brian Cody thing? In the off-season there, there was a little bit of talk about, you know, this is potentially could be his last year. So it was after everything he's won. He did win a league in 2018 and a Leinster last year, you know, to keep that trophy cabinet ticking over. Yeah, but I, I can see their, their point, um, Colin, like there, there was a little bit of pressure. And I think every year for the last three or four years, it, this is going to be uh, Brian Cody's uh, last year and all that sort of stuff. And, He'd like to win something and, and uh, something in his last year and all that. But uh, look, there's no one going to doubt Brian Cody. He's been a 
a phenomenal manager. He's been a phenomenal hurling man being straight up with you as well. And he's meant to be a phenomenal uh, club man. And uh, I've heard more stories about Brian Cody presenting medals and taking no money for stuff. Like, he's brilliant in that way. But my, my, my opinion on it, I'm just going to say it, and I hope this doesn't upset anyone. I just hope he doesn't overstay his welcome. Yeah. You know, just to let, let someone else in and, and give them a chance. And maybe there's a lot of younger uh, Kilkenny players there that maybe would like maybe a, a, a different voice, um, you know, maybe a different game plan tactic. And just to give an example, like that maybe there would, someone would come in and go with a third midfielder, which you'd never see in a Kilkenny hurling setup, or, or even go with the Cork game plan. Maybe some of them players would love something like this, but I just hope he doesn't overstay his welcome because... Uh, he has been a, a, a brilliant hurling man, and uh, and that, that's it. That's all I want to say. Has the third midfielder kind of gone out of it a little bit? Has it? Oh, it has gone a little bit over because uh, well, it hasn't really because like you take I, I've said this more times about Limerick. You take Garage Hagerty, right? Last year's hurling year, he literally nearly plays as a third midfielder. Colin. Yeah, well, the like, whole, and, yeah. And what, and, yeah, and what happens is if you watch the Limerick hurlers, they they'll always have two men inside. Aaron Galan is always inside. The two of them are nearly on the edge of the D, like this, and they run out into the spaces like this. So that so basically the, the way it's nearly gone, uh, column is that you're 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 playing with a goalie and you're playing with three in the full back line, three in the half back line, and nearly three lined across the middle of the field. So so uh, it, it's kind of is gone, but it's not gone. They, they do it. So what happens is when they you know the opposition have a puck out, yeah. the wing forward goes back into his position. So it doesn't look like in a game that's gone out as fully as a third midfielder. Yeah, I suppose the, the traditional one of the corner forward coming out as the third midfielder, that it, seems to be... Yeah, that, yeah that, that seems to be gone. Yeah. yeah, I used to love that role myself, to be honest. Yeah, it, I, like if you're in corner forward, you might not touch the ball for 10 minutes or 15 minutes and your man is pulled out of you next thing you used to... I, well, I personally used to love when the manager come out and go, Damien Gow was a third midfielder. It was nearly like... It was, <laughs> It was nearly like you're at school and you're being told it's break. You're allowed to go out to the yard like this and run around. But yeah, it's, so sometimes it's great, great just to get a little run. So when you used to go out, you used to get onto the ball. So yeah, but that role seems to be gone. Here, here's the thing, the Wexford sweeper. Like, I mean, they're back with the sweeper again this year. And like, I mean, no problem with that. It works for them. I was looking at Waterford against Limerick. And when I know Limerick had a man sent off, but Waterford were very effective with Austin Gleeson as the sweeper. And then I started thinking, you know, maybe against Limerick, the best thing to do is play a sweeper. It allows your whole half back line follow their men instead of this whole, you know, conundrum mm. of letting them off or covering your full back line. And then I, yeah. I was kind of thinking... Why do teams set out at the start of the year and say, right, we're playing a sweeper and we won't change it all year? Or why does a team come out and say, right, we're not playing a sweeper, this is our game plan, and it's the same no matter who you play? Like, would it make, would it make sense if you're playing Limerick, even if you didn't play a sweeper the whole year before that, to play a sweeper against them? What, do GA teams not have enough time to practice these yeah, things? Yeah. Well, they should have time. My belief is it all comes down to the management's beliefs because the players don't get a full say on what way they're going to play. Right, but just on the Wexford, you say the Wexford play a sweeper. Sometimes I do get very frustrated with Wexford. Like last year, for example, I seen them having a sweeper and balls being poked in and the goalkeeper coming out. Like it happened against Galway, the go- the goalkeeper coming out and there's no one inside in the full forward line. It can get like so. I don't mind playing a sweeper column, but, but Limerick do it actually the best way they kind of play it. But they always have two men inside in the full forward line like this. But yeah, disregarding the sweeper, it, you, my opinion. It is on it that you should nearly have three game plans. Three game plans all set up before matches. None of this, the management coming together and wondering what are we going to do here. That it's all, it's all, re- it's all done. They've, they've all, um, 
pre-rehearse like this and they, they'll say they're going to play this way and we're going to play that way in whatever way. But uh, yeah, some teams go with sweepers. Um, it works. I think the sweeper and player has to be an, an unbelievably intelligent player and must be extremely athletic. And I think myself, he should be able to carry ball out, offload a 10, 15 yards hand pass or even hit diagonal balls into the channels, into the full four line, uh, as I call it, 70-30 ball. It works, but that player has to be unbelievably intelligent. One thing about the game this weekend, uh, Damien, it'll be it'll be competitive. Unfortunately, it's not on on television. Um, I don't think I don't even see it down for GEA Go. They probably have those games. It'll be competitive because, as we know, both these managers really uh, they, they they respect the league. They want to win it. They want to win anything that they go into. Absolutely, this, this will definitely be competitive. Uh, Wexford Kilkenny games always are. Both managers take it very serious. Uh, I I often remember Brian Cody saying that, in his opinion, the Alliance. Uh, Hurling League uh, was the, the second biggest competition uh, in the calendar. So it is, and both players they don't have time, um, Colin, to be messing. You know, you know, shadow boxing. There's lads trying to make teams. There's lads trying to get hurling fish. Yeah. There's lads trying to get marked sharp. And uh, as you said, they're after losing a week, so they might as well uh, go go at this and go at, like at a, a championship level pace. Regarding it not being on television, I suppose it's because it wasn't scheduled. Yeah. Like but it's a bit disappointing just for. I suppose for for people that are in lockdown and are mad wanting to see matches and, and stuff like that that it's 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 not being aired. But um no, I expect it to be a competitive game and I actually expect it to be actually a very good game and it'll probably be a great game of hurling now and it won't be uh, viewed. <laughs> Wait and see. I bet I bet you that's what'll happen. But yeah, I, I expect it to be I expect it to be very competitive. I actually as I said, I expect it to be a very good game of hurling. Yeah, exactly. Damien, thanks very much. We'll come back uh, with Michael Dignan. All right, so we spoke about Offaly last week, hammering Joe McDonough Cup teams that they were losing to last year. And it's hard to put your finger on the turnaround. So to help us understand it a little bit, Michael Dignan joins us on the line. How's it going, Michael? Good, well, you know, yeah, can't complain. Come here, where, can, you, can you tell us where this improvement is coming to? It's a bit of a head-scratcher considering the first year of the new management and then not having them for so long and now hammering Joe McDonough Cup teams. Um. I think, Willie, it's probably a combination of a few things. Um, I think, in fairness to the new management, they had just come in last year uh, just ahead of COVID. And I think that disruption for any county with a new management team, I think, was far more pronounced than any than a team that had a settled management. And you probably understand where I'm coming from there, that, you know, the, the lads, they were literally only getting to know the players and that type of thing. Then, then there was the lockdown, there was club championship, and we had them back. Then we had... We had more interruptions than last year because of we had a second lockdown with Leash and Offaly and Kildare. Then we had a, the, the COVID situation within our own team, which was a bit baffling, a bit like what's going on at the minute there now with with with, with Wex, Wexford and Clare. We we had a player deemed to be uh, that trained uh, with the with the squad, and he subsequently was tested positive, and he was he was then uh, he was then deemed to be, or the entire panel were deemed to be close contacts. Uh, which was, wasn't the case in any other county or whatever. So, so we had massive disruption. And we're not making excuses. Um, we went up then uh, to, to Newry two weeks in a row, uh, played Derry one day. And and look, I've said this, like going up the road like that in single cars, stopping in the garage to try to get a cup, you know, a bit of food on the way up, and going and playing the match wasn't ideal preparation. Um, we beat Derry very convincingly, and the following week, uh, down beat us and went to penalties. And you know, and 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 that was fair. That was fair. That was the, the you know, you win matches under merit. But it wasn't an ideal preparation on a lot of fronts. Um, I think a number of things happened then. I think the management then, obviously, 
had to knuckle down and have a look at last year. They made quite a few changes in personnel. Uh, an awful lot of young players off the under-20s from the last two years were brought in. Some of them had been in last year and a, another group were brought in. And I suppose the whole profile of the team then, the, the players worked really hard and that was so important for us um, during COVID. Uh, the players were training on their own. Like we would ha- a lot of them young lads had a huge ground to make up and even to see the difference in their body shape when they came back uh, in the space of maybe four or five months since we'd seen them was huge. You could really see the work they'd put in and Michael Fenley and his, and his team worked really hard on that in the background. So you could see all that. Um, and then they just got back and I think there was just a change in atmosphere, uh, a huge desire among the, the group to, to make up for last year and to kick on and to get off the hurling back. And I suppose, look, there's a lot of other things going on around the county as well. Uh, you know, our minor teams are in two Leinster finals and our senior footballers, have, you know, have obviously got off to a very good start as well. So so all those things uh, combined, we're working away with the clubs and, and as we're trying to develop a strategic plan, but we're actually working with the clubs on that. We have no big announcement or no big plan, but we're working on issues. We're trying to get more coaches on the ground. So there's there's generally a good buzz out there and the hurlers certainly have bought into it and the footballers. And I suppose um, playing with a bit of freedom and a bit of expression, a bit of expression. And Johnny Kelly is Michael Fenley's coach, and I think the two lads have an awful lot to offer. You know, and it's just taking that bit of time with their lads, with the lads, to I suppose impose their philosophy on onto them. And uh, so you can just see all that coming together. But I would say a couple of things. Um, the mead game was was up in up, up in Navan, which was there. Obviously, a John McDonald team that was a good display. Kerry have been a bogey team for five years. They were missing six or seven starters against us. And then we went down and played against Carlo. Um, and again, I think Carlo have had, you know, a number of changes and change of management as well. So look, there's no one getting carried away. And the down match now on Saturday week uh, is going to be the key one now. So it's only, it's, you're only as good as your last game. And these lads, uh, I said, they're going in the right direction, but that's a huge game now. And if, if we win that, uh, we've Wicklow in Ockram. And, you know, so they, they, you don't have to look too far ahead. And if we can win those, obviously we're back into Division 1, uh, be next year's and I suppose that's where we want to be going Yeah exactly Michael Fenley was saying the average age of the of the squad is 24 you know and when you include Shane Dooley you know who's in his 30s Brian Watkins who's uh, similar as well you know there must be an awful lot of young fellas coming in Liam Langton is, is tearing it up One fifteen from play in three games now he's been there a couple of years so do you kind of put his form down to maybe working really really hard on the strength and conditioning side of it you know in the lockdown uh, I think that's a factor with Liam. He's a he's a very talented lad. Um, certainly he's he he's very fit and very mobile. And I also think maybe his role within the team is much more defined now. You know, he's playing at centre forward, but he's covering a lot of ground. Um, so certainly his form is a huge benefit. And I think that's that's the big thing. I think with the with the with the team, I think the forward line is is clicking really well, and the movement is very good, and the teamwork is very good. And there are things that weren't there maybe you know uh, over the past number of years. Uh, and as you say, look, it's good to have a couple of experienced players like Shane Dooley has been just phenomenal for Offaly over the last 15 years or more, I suppose, at this stage. And, um, you know, he's not making the starting team now. Uh, he has come on in a couple of the matches, but I think having him around the squad um, is very positive. And Niall Mack is Niall Mack to me is doing the same with the football, but Niall, uh, Niall came on and kicked two great points last weekend against Limerick. So, look, it's great to see those lads, I suppose, sticking with it, you know, and trying to play their part in bringing us back and, and like having them in the dressing room and their own trend and you know that yourself from your playing days you know and I probably got to that stage myself in the last year or two with Offaly too that you know your best days are behind you but you're still willing to maybe give a little bit back in that capacity and that's been huge and uh, uh, so no look it is they're very young like there's 
I think 11 of the starting team under 23 uh, last week and some of them are in 19 and 20 you know so so that's that that that's it's very positive and possibly you couldn't do that maybe at a higher level because of the physicality you know of division one teams but I suppose we're trying to catch that up but also blood those new players and get them through because we frankly needed to do it we have a bit of talent there and we have other good young players coming but we're going to be very young for a number of years that is going to be the profile of Offaly Hurling and uh, football is probably not as young. There are a couple of more years developed along the way, but but we have some very good young footballers coming as well. So I I can see the you know the age profile of the Offaly team has been been very young for the for the next three or four years. Yeah, I have to say I give you, I have to give you credit for this, Michael. Everything seems to be positive coming out of Offaly now. Like you said, results have turned around on the field. There's no controversies coming out of Offaly, which we've been used to. It always seemed to be one thing after another, and then the same conversations we'd have is what's gone wrong with Offaly, and you know the same kind of analysis. It it does seem to be positive, and then obviously Shane Lowry coming on board to help out with the with the underage and the youth development. You know, like I mean, you should start up a hashtag like Offaly Rising or something, Michael, like Carla did. No, I don't want any of that. Uh, no, 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 no. Look, Willie, it's it, it is, and I suppose look, it is encouraging. I suppose we came in, we came in with a with 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 a vision of what we wanted to do, and I suppose a lot of people were sort of saying, you know, my own background, I'd never been involved. My first county board meeting was as chairman of the county board. Uh, I was at a couple of disciplinary meetings, all right, but that was that, that was in previous walk of life. But I suppose the the thing is. Um, it's about team. It's always about team, and and I suppose that's what I, you know, um, you know, we've we've announced our management team, and I think people, I think if you don't delegate, if you don't bring people in around you, and if you don't let them do their jobs in any walk of life, I think you're in trouble. And uh, you know, so so look, there, there was always a management there in the county board. They're very genuine people, and the people that were there before me, I, I wouldn't have a bad word to say about them. The effort to put in, the time and commitment. But I suppose we 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 felt things needed to be done differently. I've I've, I've been quoted on that that we felt you know that we. We needed to change, and I suppose you know we have we, we, we have a new secretary now, uh, Colin Commons, the treasurer, Derville Dolan's a chartered accountant, our assistant treasurer, Sinead, is a chartered accountant. Um, you know our, our CCC and our fixtures uh, are just doing a fantastic job now. It's been difficult with COVID. Our chair of our cushion and Og is a, is a lady I've worked with very closely in, in our own club here, who has a massive passion for underage and for an understanding of of what's required and like that. Like these things haven't even come to fruition yet in terms of what we're doing. Like, like we, we have plans to increase our underage games program um, from about 260 matches in two, two, 2019 to about 550 matches in a full year. Um, you know, development squads will fit into that, but in a much lesser scale. Like we had been sort of using development squads as our only means of progress, and I felt we couldn't do that because we, we don't have the numbers. We, we can't be leaving all those other people behind. It's okay for the bigger counties to go and pluck their best 20 out at every age group and hope to make to get one or two but we need to bring everybody forward and like the amount of clubs that have started nurseries even in the last three months last month even there's another one starting this on another club and all these little bits and pieces and and, and our schools that were have always been played a huge part of our success have um you know maybe slightly been neglected by us in terms of the support that they need because we you have to accept that schools have changed and um the importance of maybe GA within schools is not what it was and the time the teachers have and everything is focused on the results. So we need to get in with our coaches and with our clubs into the schools to support them as well. So they're all the type of things that are in the mix um, that, that that we have started. And we, I, th- I would like to think we've used COVID very wisely in terms of that, a lot of communication, a lot of interaction, a lot of work on our strategic plan uh, and, and all those other changes. So it has been positive. And then Shane, I suppose, look, um, Willie, look, just Shane Lowry is just, 
you know, he's an incredible person, like first and foremost. And this is genuine. This is not any sort of a gimmick. Um, uh, I got a text off him last uh, Sunday at four o'clock coming back from Carlo. Uh, that was an hour before he teed off in the final round of a major. Uh, just saying, what a great, great weekend <laughs> again. And, you know, keep it going. And, and like he was obviously going from the practice range to the putting green or whatever he was doing. But he was looking at the results and he was checking the results. And that's Shane Lowry. And, uh, and, 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 you know, we've had a number of discussions over the last few months. And he had a couple of weeks after and he said, come on, let's get this done. And so he's coming in. Obviously, there's a financial contribution there, which is great. And what we can do down the road and that is, is really up to ourselves. And I think there can be a bit of fun in that as well and enjoyment. But it's, it's, I think that he wants to be involved. That he, you know, we're not sure exactly what, what that's going to entail yet. And that's the great thing about it. It might be coming out to the Fairfield Fields overnight and talking to some of the underage squads and the parents. It might be um, you know, running a corporate event and he's at it. There'll be different aspects to it, but it's just having Shane Lowry that closely involved with us has to be a huge positive. And, and it is also, like we're also looking, looking at our whole sponsorship model at the minute and our fundraising. We had the Grand Canal walk there recently like where almost 7,000 people contributed to that and we, we gave half the funds back to our clubs and it was a club county fundraiser. We raised 210 grand or whatever it was. But those type of things are, are happening. And, and, and look, you're a neighbour there in Leash and you know the crack with Offaly. You know, we have a tradition. It might, be a, it might be a relatively new tradition over the last 40, 50 years, but there has, there's a huge tradition, there's a huge passion, there's a huge interest in Gaelic games, which there is in a lot of counties, but that had sort of maybe gone under the table or under the carpet. And we've been just trying to tap back into that. And we have a long way to go. Like, that's, that's I suppose, the thing that we have to remember. Look, there's going to be setbacks and you're talking about controversy and all that. Look, there's plenty of stuff going on that as well. But I suppose, look, you have to try to keep that in-house. You have to try to keep it as much as you can. When you're trying to make change, there is always going to be a difference of opinion. But I think once you're respectful, I think our county board meetings have been very good. We've had some good debates. Nobody's going to be closed down as, as long as I'm chairman of Offaly GF. If there's something to say, um, they can say it and we can discuss it and we might agree or, or whatever, but we come to, I suppose, the best decisions based on what's best for Offaly GA and what's best for our players. And as, as long as, you know, as far as I'm concerned, the player has to be at the centre of everything, the participant at all ages, whether that's a five-year-old or four-year-old starting out in the nursery or you're an elite inter-county player, everything you do should be best about what's best for them and creating that um, platform to improve them and to give them a great experience. Like I said that to John Mohan a few weeks ago, you know, I just love someone to turn around at 32 or 3 and say, I've given 15 years to Offaly, like I did in my time, and say that was the best days of my life and I, I really loved every minute of it. And I think if, if we can keep that at the centre of it, we, we, we'll stay improving. Yeah, exactly. So when when Lowry came forth the other night, you're obviously a huge Shane Lowry fan, like we all are. Um, you know, when he came forth, were you kind of checking to see how much the fourth place uh, prize money was? <laughs> I, I did, yeah, I did. Uh, <laughs> Four hundred and sixty-two thousand. Yeah, Jeez, you're grand. You're yeah, you're covered yeah. for you're covered. No, I, I, I tell you, I tell you what what it was. Um, I'll be honest with you, Willie. A few weeks, a few weeks around the time we were, you know, from Christmas when he we were sort of in contact over Christmas, and he he had texted me before Christmas, and we met over. Christmas. Christmas, you know, and we sort of said, look, we'll do something, we'll have a chat, we'll have a think about things. You know, we weren't really sure what we wanted to do. And then I was watching the first few t- events of the year and he missed a couple of cuts and things. And it was, <laughs> I tell you, no, not, it's not from the, I, I'm, only, I'm only joking there, obviously, but it's more from the point of view that you don't want to be annoying the man. He's, he's, he's operating yeah. at, on the world stage and he's down when he doesn't go well. And he's obviously up when he does go well. And it's where we fit into that. And that's where we discussed that and said, look, Shane, this will be a couple of days a year. And we've agreed with that with his management and himself. Like he, Shane would, you know, and so, so that's all, it's all part of it. But it, 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 it is, it is a bit of crack when you're, when you're looking at it. But the other thing I'd say, um, Willie, is there's lots of people out there and it's their own business. And I've always said this about, there's lots of people out there that have a lot of money, 
and and uh, Shane Lowry wouldn't be uh, the way you know he's 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 thirty four years of age. He's a long career ahead of him. He has done well. There's no doubt about that. But like you know, there's lots of people out there that have a lot more money than Shane Lowry, and they're involved in other counties. They're in living in other counties all over Ireland. It's up to them what they want to do. But I I, I thought it was very noble, like it, you know, that for him to come forward, it you know, and realize I suppose that um, yes, he could give us a dig out. It could encourage other people as well, and and and. And and that he he could have stayed on the outside looking in and been a great athlete supporter and came home and went to all the matches and did all that, uh, which which would have been fine, but he he had the the courage of his convictions I suppose to come forward and 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 I suppose look, um you know I'd be very much of the view um I've been through the good times and the bad times when it comes to business and money and everything else and, and I think if COVID doesn't teach us that like you know you can't bring it with you and if you can invest it back into your like where you know we're the biggest sport organization in the country we, we we you know the difference a few quid can make is huge and people that don't think that are delusional you know it, it makes a difference it allows you to have um you know to set the standard where you want to set it and uh, and and we we've sort of taken that on that we're going to more or less do that ourselves you know i i, I know john canellan uh, i've been talking to john and john is bringing that and i i've obviously supported that stance about equalization of funding but at the end of the day we're not going to wait around to, for anybody to help us we're going to do it we're going to do it ourselves and we will be looking for that support obviously from Leinster which they've given a commitment towards our coaches like we we have five full-time coaches now we had four went down to two and we're up to five now and we're hoping to have maybe 12 or 14 by this time next year or, sorry maybe 10 or 11 by by this time next year which is all we need really to cover the whole county but we're we're not waiting around we, we're going to have to fund it and money is not going to stop us we'll get it somewhere well, and that's the big thing. Like, I mean, if you're increasing the GPOs and obviously Shane money, Shane's money will help with that. And like, I mean, the big thing with the GPOs is almost coaching the coaches because, you know, yourself, Michael, and I see it in leash here. It's very hit and miss what what manager takes over a team. It's whoever, you know, his child is on the team and you could get very lucky with that and have a brilliant one. Or you could get very, no offense to some of them, yeah, you could yeah, get yeah. very unlucky with it. Yeah, it is. It is. And I look at even the GPOs themselves, um, Willie, I think, you know, it's it's almost a vocation really because there is no real career path in the GPO model. Like the G, that's a games promotion officer. Like there's a level there. There's a small bit as well from start, from a salary scale. You know, it's 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 modest enough in today's terms. And you you know, so you want people that are totally committed. I'm not sure it's for everybody. It's a lifetime commitment. It might be something that you might be able to encourage people to give you a couple of years, maybe when they come out of college or things like that. Um, so it's something that you have to be. You know, mindful of as well because it's a huge commitment for the club, really. Because the club pay twenty percent, or the clubs now very few club, one club will take on like Eden Derry, which is a huge club in the north of Offaly. They they have a full time GPO themselves, Maria Daly, who's a fantastic uh, footballer with Offaly and jewel player over the years. Uh, but she's up there, and um, Bor Clarion and John Cullen, which would be you know three clubs in in South Offaly, they took on a GPO recently between the three of them, where they split up the hours. And I think that's what we're promoting within our clubs is to look at the flexibility of that, which is huge because you might just take a quarter, you might just take ten hours a week or whatever. But you're right, then it's where you use them, and I think the usage is completely different, no matter depending on where you are. Like I think the bigger towns have a recruitment issue where they need to get into the national schools, encourage people that don't have a background maybe in the GA in smaller villages and towns everybody will probably go to the club anyway. So then you might have to spend more time in the club, as you say, coaching the coaches and all that. And I like the idea too of the club coaches then getting trained up and then maybe going back into the schools themselves a bit to give a hand out in the schools as well, uh, particularly at secondary school level, I think where you know you might have an under a first-year team, under 14, under 16, whatever, along the way, where you might need 10 or 12 people to support the teachers. And that's something that takes a bit. We've been trying. I, I did help out in Kalashnikov and Tullamore, and we won that Ireland B a couple of years ago. 
and myself and Pat Cleary and Donny Beatty came in to, and helped Colin Cassidy in the school and that worked really well. But again, they're all things that take time and, you know, yeah, and they're things that, that you, you have to get them done. It's like everything. You can talk about them, but to actually get down and go into each school and work that and working with the feeder clubs and work that out uh, is, is a job in itself. So I suppose... But we're we're trying to tick the boxes and do one and get things done because you'll never get them done unless you do them as as you know. So so there's all these things going on and that all fits into a bigger plan. And we didn't we we had the base of the of a strategic plan done, and then we decided to to keep working away with it. With, and and we have a stage now we're going back to talk to all forty one clubs over the next few weeks to see where they're at, and maybe we're asking clubs to maybe take on a project between now and the autumn that maybe something from the plan that they can put into practice fairly quickly over the next three or four months. And then we come back in, in September, October and ask them all to look at next year and what's three or four things could they do next year to improve things. And that's the kind of way we will produce a document. It'll be a fairly simple document at the end of the day, but there'll be a fair bit behind the scene, behind it. But very much part of it is is the clubs developing in, in conjunction with what we're trying to do uh, and the schools, as I say. So look, it's it's... Uh, it, it, it's exciting, it's hard work It's uh, but it's, as I say it's all about a team effort and there's loads of people working hard in both the county board and in the clubs at the minute which is great. Yeah, before I let you go come here, um, have you calmed down after watching that Cork Tipperary game? At least last weekend wasn't the same and I think Kieran Kingston has come out during the week and kind of admitted Cork were a little bit too lateral and tippy-tappy more than usual. I don't, maybe it's not a, as big a panic as everybody thought watching that match. Uh, look, um, I, it's like everything, you know, when you're watching a match and you react maybe after, I try not to, I try not to do it too much, but, uh, you know, I did, I did tweet after the match. Um, look, it's, it's, was a complex enough issue, you know, in terms of, I suppose, Cork are looking at Cork and they're saying, can we beat Limerick by poking high balls down the top of their half back line? The answer is no, because you have no chance when you look across Dermot Burns and Declan Hand and Kyle Hayes or whoever else is out, is yeah. there, Dan Morris, if he's out there. Uh, so you have to find a way around that through a puck out strategy or whatever. But then I suppose it's where the balance is after it. I just think, you know, pa- yeah, you have to pass to get out of trouble. Now. You'll never get a ball one-on-one. You might have to get a second pass to get out of trouble. But then you have to be trying You have to be trying to give the forward that yard of space. And the only way you'll do that is playing the ball quickly, diagonally, whatever. And I just think, you know, watching that, there was there was an extra pass, two passes. And that will break down under pressure. I've no doubt about it. So, But look, they're trying to find their way. And look, we... I, I wouldn't think it's the crisis that maybe people are making out. I know there's some confusion over the rules as well, at the, like st- stopping the advantage. Um, like there was five or six cases that I was at the Carroll match last weekend, like Jesus, where a lad is just going to tap it over the bar or he's coming out of the fence and he's fouled and you're stopping the game. I don't know where that came out of. Um, the, 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 the black card one or the yellow card for the cynical foul is another day's work. So there's a lot going on. But I think yeah. I think when we settle down, it's, and it's also a peculiar year, um, Willie, because the league is coming and the championship is coming straight after it. And, you know, it's... Their lads are keeping a bit up their sleeve. But look, Limerick are being rattled a little bit. And it'll be interesting to see uh, how they recover from that. They are certainly, teams are up in their game for them. And uh, that's interesting. So look, looking forward to the, to the rest of the summer. Yeah, exactly. Michael, thanks very much for your time. I'll talk to you again. Cheers, Wally. Thank you. But this little dink ball, the only one in the crowd are there where it's a fist pass. The weight is taken over, hits the ground and it bounces into a fella's chest. Why do you not do many interviews? Oh, really? Yeah, I've been asked to do a Really? Yeah. Have you ever rang me? And they're roaring to me, I'm Caffrey, you free state bastard. <laughs> and next thing I hear, you have no fucking jurisdiction up here. <laughs> 
Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work.